Welcome to a brand new edition of Yuan's. I'm Omar Moore. In the unlucky light of Watford Wednesday. West Ham 1, Watford 0. An improved performance under Roy Hodgson as the Golden Boys defended as well as they possibly could. But at the end, all three points went the hammer's way. On this episode, which will be brief, a look back at the game yesterday. More coming up right after this. Welcome back to another edition of You Ons. I'm Omar Moore. In the unlucky light of Watford Wednesday, West Ham won Watford nil. It was a difficult game for Watford to swallow at the end as they left the London Stadium without any points at all for their best display, arguably, of the season, their best first half of the season, professional, composed, solid at the back, were Watford. Looked every bit the part under Roy Horson in his second game in charge as Watford manager. And Watford carried his mission out onto the pitch very well in the first half against the West Ham side, who still looked sluggish. In fact, Watford had dominated the first half and controlled the game in the first half, frustrating West Ham, moving the ball around West Ham, and getting into spaces and areas where they could have made some real chances work for them, but they did not finish off those chances, at least two of them in that first half. Uraj Kuchka had the biggest one of them all when he headed the ball the wrong side of the post off of a set-piece play. It was a big, big miss for Watford. Might have been their biggest chance of the entire game. A better header would have seen Watford take the lead in that first half. The finishing was the big bugaboo of the night for Watford as they were not able to put the ball into the back of the net despite their resolute defensive showing. They were very impressive indeed in the back. Samir was terrific, and Hassani Kamara once again, the best Watford player on the pitch. He has been nothing but gold since he's arrived at Vicarage Road, and he has shown you that he is a solid professional and an excellent left back. He continues to um, push for player of the season, even this very, very early stages of his Watford career. I think he has made a marked difference to this team as has Samir, although Samir would have an unfortunate situation later on that I will get to. But Watford looked very, very good in that first half. Everybody defended as a block, as a team. They organized well. They absolutely uh, closed down the spaces as best they could, and their outlet ball was very good too. It wasn't just whacked up the field. There was a purpose and a plan and some composure to it all. And so that was the story of the first half. Watford frustrating West Ham to no end in the crowd at London Stadium restless as Watford's travelling support, the Watford faithful, made themselves heard inside that stadium and very loudly indeed. One of the things that was surprising was to see Kurt Zuma on the pitch for West Ham. My goodness me, after all of his exploits against animals, which he certainly seems to have done more than once, I would guess, he managed to even play. I don't know how David Moyes put him in that lineup, but he did. And that took certainly some guts or some stupidity. But nonetheless, he was on the pitch and got booed every single time he touched the ball. I think that died down a bit in the second half, particularly after Watford had taken a deficit 
because they had an unfortunate, unfortunate goal in the second half of the game. Watford not quite as sharp in the second half because I think they were tiring around the 60-minute mark because of all the hard defensive work they did and the grafting they did, the tracking back they did as a team. And I think that came back to haunt them a little bit, not not the grafting, but the, the fact that they had lost a little energy and were a little bit slow in that second half as West Ham predictably would make changes as they did in the second half, changed a couple of things that they did and then saw more penetration into space as I think Watford began to tire. What happened for Watford is I think that the substitutions that got made should have been made just a little earlier, say about five to 10 minutes earlier. They were made around minute 74 or 75 and that was a triple substitution which saw Ngakia and Jao Pedro and Lauza come on with Cleverly and uh, Kayembe and uh, another player whose name is now escaping me at the minute, all going off. And then I think it was Tom Cleverly who, who left the, the field as well. And so that was really what happened. But that was in the 75th minute when I think Watford should have, uh, Roy Hodgson should have put those subs on about five or 10 minutes earlier. And I think that might have helped Watford sustain a little bit more energy because they were clearly flagging in that second half, in that the first 15 minutes or so in that second half. So that was what was going on there as far as Watford were concerned. But they continued to play on. They made a game of it. They made a fight of it. There was an outlet ball that Josh King got, and he just ran about 40 yards flat. But he ran into two West Ham defenders who had tracked him back, and he just didn't know what to do with the ball. He didn't get enough help, actually, to be fair to him. Tom Cleverley perhaps was the only player around, and that is not a good option. So I don't know. I don't know if I think Cleverley went off in the game, and he did. So there was someone else around. It wasn't Cleverley. But there needed to be more from Watford in those attacking areas tonight when they desperately needed it. Emmanuel Dennis was fantastic as well, but he ran out of gas as well. You could see he uh, looked perhaps that he had the effect, felt the effects of not playing the previous game against Burnley because he looked really tired by the time he got to minute 70 as he was certainly running out of gas. Uh, remember, he had not played since the Norwich game. He had been sent off in that game, did not play for two plus weeks, nearly three weeks. And so as a result of that, Emmanuel Dennis looked a bit gassed. And the fact that he was gassed was a an issue because Watford didn't really have any other options uh, in terms of what Dennis was doing. But really what I think Roy could have done is bring on those subs earlier and maybe it might have freshened things up a little sooner, given the team some more continuity and life. But there are options on the bench. Just I don't think they were the options that could have uh, been feasible for this particular game. I'm not sure that Hernandez would have made an awful lot of difference here. But Jao Pedro did come in and just really didn't get into the game very much because he came in, as I said, in around the 75th minute or so. And the game needed to have someone like a Jao Pedro in there around 65 minutes, around the time that perhaps you could see some of the players uh, gassed as West Ham, West Ham began to expose some of the spaces um, that were being opened up because I think the players were getting a bit more tired. But Watford performed very well, even though not quite as good in the second half, but they were, I think, still very much a disciplined unit and they just could not hold um, West Ham in the end. It was a very unfortunate deflection. It was a shot from Jared Bowen. It, it hit off of uh, Samir, who had just tried to block the shot from going through. 
I know the rule is generally as a defender, you're not supposed to do anything with the ball to try to deflect it in front of a goalkeeper unless you are pretty darn sure you know where that ball's going. And a lot of times it's really difficult to know that. But Samir, I think, had an outstanding game despite the fact that the ball just caromed off of him and just went into the back of the net. That's exactly what happened. It was an unfortunate thing. Nothing really you can do about it. And that was your ball game there. Watford did have a chance um, toward the end. Tom Cleverly with a curling shot that was very well saved by Lucas Fabianski, but not enough um, power on that shot to get past him. But he still made a really good effort in that West Ham goal to save that one from Cleverly. It was a very good shot from him, though, cleverly, and uh, he feels himself probably unfortunate there. Ben Foster had a fantastic game, made three critical saves, including a block in the first half from Saeed Benrahma. And um, the other shots that he put a shot onto the post late on when West Ham were threatening to score a second there. But in any event, Watford have nothing to be ashamed of from this game last night. They played awfully well for much of it. Um, but and um, pretty much their defensive performance was uh, as good as it could be throughout the match, and they end up losing, however, by a score of one goal to nil. Speaking with the BBC afterwards to BBC Sport, the Watford manager Roy Hodgson. Roy, must be so disappointing how it ended. But again, are you seeing sort of seeds of growth in your team? I'd like to think so. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh... You know, obviously you tend to, to, to judge your team's performances through rose-coloured spectacles sometimes because, you know, it's, it's the team we work with. But I must say, I was really pleased with a lot of what we did tonight. And I think it was a little bit cruel to, to lose the game to a deflection. I don't think David or any of their people would have said it was a, a scandal had we not lost the game. But, you know, we're here at, we're here at the London Stadium. We're playing a form team. And... Uh, I can only say that I'm not disappointed really in the team performance, but of course I'm disappointed in the result and I fear I should be disappointed in other results because that's what the Premier League is and it's not going to be easy for us to win every match. So you've obviously seen the table, but you're not in a terrible position, are you? I mean, in your experience, you've been in a lot worse, haven't you? Yeah, I've been in equally bad anyway. And, you know, we have players who are coming back to join us, you know, quality players. I think the players are hopefully going to get more confident in, you know, what we're trying to do on, on, on the field of play already with very little work defensively. They've, they've shown, they've, you know, picked up our principles and our concepts extremely well. Uh, we have to ally that now with the, the danger in attack, which we think we have with the sort of players we have. And then we've got to try and win some matches and not worry too much about what the teams around us are doing. We've got to make certain we win matches and then let them worry about us. It has been really noticeable, though, in your short time. This team were leaking goals. And now, I don't know, what what have you done <laughs> since you've come in? It looks so more disciplined, organised. Well, we've sort two, two of the new players have been important. Yeah. Samir Santos and Hassan Kamu have made a big difference. You know, they're real quality players. And we worked hard, you know, on the training field with them, but all teams do, you know. I, I cringe when I hear people saying we worked hard on the training field because who doesn't? You know, that's that's part of the job. If you're not working hard on the training field, if your players are, are not prepared to really sweat a little bit of blood for you, you're never going to do well in this league. Because unfortunately, if you play Man City, they sweat blood. 
So, and they've got quality players around them. So, I can't ask any more. That's all I can say. I really, I really can't. Uh, I am absolutely not disappointed with the way the team played or the performance. I'm not frustrated. And it's important now, I think, that the players take themselves from the game what they think they did well and try to put the result to one side and then make certain that on Saturday against Brighton we are ready to go again because that's all we can do. And just the, the final bit of the sort of jigsaw, if you like, defensively sound, is it a little bit more attacking threats perhaps? I mean, and doing it in, at the right times as well. Yeah, I thought we had that today, to be yeah. frank. I mean, we, we created at least four very good opportunities to score. We, we had the ball in their penalty area with their defence scurrying around trying to keep us out. So, you know, I wasn't too concerned about that side of it. But of course, you're playing against... We had a good defence, I thought, but they've got a good defence as well. So it's very difficult to, to really produce that golden goal chance, uh, which we needed at this moment in time. I think that when you're down the bottom, these sort of games happen to you. And uh, the deflected goal can make you feel sorry for yourself, but you've really got to avoid that temptation. Let's forget it. Let's take what's been good from the game and let's be ready on Saturday to try and test Brighton out. That was Roy Hodgson speaking to the BBC at BBC Sport after West Ham won Watford nil last night. And I like that interview very much because, again, you get a very honest man that you hear from there. And not like a lot of other managers and head coaches who say all the media uh, soundbite typey sound bitey type of things. This is Roy Hodgson, a man who's seen it all, been there, done that, a wizened, experienced man in the game of football. He's not going to pull any punches. He's not going to give you any BS. He's going to tell you straight. And that is what I like about Roy Hodgson. And I really appreciate him as a manager. And you can see uh, how he has influenced uh, what Watford do. His strategy is coming through now. And uh, quite frankly there, I think he gave you the most honest assessment um, of everything and just as I said uh, a few minutes earlier in this episode uh, these are the kinds of games that do happen to you when you are in the bottom three he said it in that interview that you just heard that you will lose a game like this in the bottom three where you play well and you graft and you do all the right things and then the uh, deflection goes in against you it's just unlucky but those will start to turn around I am very confident of that and as I said on Saturday against Burnley last week the unfortunate, the misfortune of the VAR not even being really looked at in what was a stonewall penalty. These things happen to you when you're in the bottom three. And, you know, that's just a fact. And so Watford will just have to move on from these two games. Yes, they were very good opportunities, especially Burnley, to win the game on Saturday. But you just got to move forward now. You just got to move forward. Can't worry about that now. And even though the result is disappointing, the performance is not... And that's what gives me a lot of hope is that these players have taken to Roy Hodgson and they are very serious um, about this mission to try to avoid going into the championship. And I think that they're going to avoid it now. Um, usually it takes about three or four. I said, I think with Roy Hodgson, it would take three or four uh, or five games before I think these players really start to settle in under Roy Hodgson's uh, schema and philosophy. But Clearly, they're doing that a little bit faster than even he probably anticipated. And he's only been with them for just about two weeks now. 
So if you think about that, that's a very promising thing. Roy Hodgson really has been there for probably less than two weeks, and he's managed to get this kind of level of quality defending out of them as a team and uh, trying to get the balance right now. The thing that needs to be addressed, of course, is the finishing. And for me, one of the things that I think about here is Josh King. Josh King is someone who works very hard for the team. He grafts. He does get involved in the play, but he does not have that killer instinct, at least. He seems to have lost it um, since the Everton game where he scored that hat-trick, and it seemed like he was a world-beater during that game. And then the only goal he scored since then was the goal from the penalty spot against against Leicester City. That was the last time he scored. That was in late November of last year. That's how long it's been since Josh King has scored. That's two and a half months without a goal. And he has not scored a goal from open play since that October game against Everton. And so really now, a very disconcerting look here for me at Josh King, who I think, you know, the game to me has passed him by in some respects. He is not as sharp as he was a little earlier in the season. Um, I don't know if there's something else going on there, but, you know, clearly not taking the initiative and firing these balls into the back of the net. I know it's hard to score goals. It's the hardest thing to do in football. But one of the things that I think that Josh King has to do is be more aggressive. But with Watford's situation as it is, Josh King cannot be the starting striker. And I'm not sure that he has the stature to be a starting striker for Watford now. I think that Josh King may have to benefit from coming off the bench. And I think that that would help him. I really do. I think he's pressing a bit. I don't see him getting involved enough and taking the game on by the scruff of its neck the way that João Pedro would. And because it's desperate times now at Vicarage Road, let's face it, I am of the mind that João Pedro should be starting the game on Saturday against Brighton. I think he should be starting. I think it should be a front two because I think the structure is going to work at 4-4-2. But I would like to see some more attack-minded um, pieces in this team. Now, look, we're going to get Ismail Assar back this weekend. There's no question about that. Ismail Assar will be back in contention for the side. He'll probably go straight into the starting lineup. And at that point, that means he probably will be inserted as an option either going forward up top or as on the right side of a middle four to make that midfield a little bit more spry and quick and more of a movement-oriented, incisive-oriented midfield in attack, you could probably have Saw on that right side of that midfield four and probably put in someone like Lauza on the other side or maybe stick Lauza in the middle with Sizoko and then maybe have Kayembe um, roam around on the left side. I, st- I still think they should keep a four in that middle four, and I think maybe Kuchka drops out of there. But Kuchka's played better lately. He has these last two games has shown me um, that he cares enough and is putting a, forth at least a little bit of an effort. And so and as a result, um, we'll see if Roy drops him. I think Roy likes Kuchka because he's kind of one of those kinds of players who will do a little bit of the dirty work when he wants to, when he wants to. So we'll see if... Uh, Roy changes that, but I think at Vicarage Road, Watford should be more of an attack-minded team. They're not playing the West Hams anymore on the road. They're not playing at Burnley. 
they they are now at the Vic. And so I think for this game coming up on Saturday, that is what they're going to have to do. I'll come back in a moment with more about the game coming up on Saturday. Welcome back to Yawns. I'm Omar Moore. In the unlucky light of Watford Wednesday. West Ham 1, Watford 0. Now that the game has been looked at here, you move on to the game on Saturday against Brighton. It's a must-win. All of these games are now for Watford as they look to get out of that bottom three. Watford, of course, against Brighton at the Vic. And what Watford will have to do, as I've said earlier, is to be more attack-minded and get out of the traps early. They will have a couple more extra days between this game and the one they played last night at West Ham. And again, this will be Watford's third game in eight days. I think the fact that the game against West Ham came less than 72 hours after the game, or just over 72 hours after the game against Burnley, may have been a factor in them being a little bit tired, maybe or maybe not. But the fact is is that they'll have a little bit more time between the game tonight and the game on Saturday at the Vic against Brighton, who had their manager, Graham Potter, in attendance at the London Stadium last night to scout Watford in the game. Now, he must have been pretty impressed with what he saw because what he saw last night was not the same kind of thing he saw at the beginning of the season when Brighton comprehensively and fairly easily beat Watford in the first game they played against each other this season. But we'll see what happens this Saturday. Watford will have to go on the attack. There's no question about that. And I will talk more about what Watford need to do and some of the other details in the Friday focus coming up this week, the night before, the day before the game. But as it goes, Watford will have to really get that defeat against Norwich out of their system. The home fans will welcome Watford with open arms. It's been a few weeks now since they last played at the Vic and hopefully will erase the memory of that horrible performance against Norwich and go forward with some purpose in the game against the Brighton side who have been pretty good away from home, but Watford need to be able to win this game on Saturday. We all know that that is what must be done. Three points and only three points will do this Saturday. Now, I've talked about Ashley Fletcher and I am wondering about Ashley Fletcher. What has happened to him? Is he going to ever feature meaningfully in the Premier League game this season? He only has played a few small short minutes in the Premier League this season, probably amassing a total of maybe 10 minutes, if that, this season, and when Ashley Fletcher came through the door in the off season, I was thinking that he was going to be a regular feature in the lineup, or at least coming off the bench. He doesn't even do that, and so for me, I am perplexed as to why he's not being played by any of the head coaches who preceded Roy Hodgson, and Hodgson has not taken to him either, at least in these first two games. It makes me think that either there's something in training that Roy Hodgson has seen, or Ray Lewington has seen, and doesn't like. Or they just they just don't rate Ashley Fletcher in terms of his striking ability, and that's interesting to me. I just don't know, but we will see what happens this weekend because I think now um, Watford have to put all hands to the pump, all hands on deck with the game on Saturday. And Watford fans in general, I think taking the uh, comments from people on the Uorns Twitter space uh, yesterday. 
Watford fans, I think generally, at least the fans who were speaking on Twitter spaces to me uh, and uh, to fellow Watford fans, felt, I think, I get a sense that there's a bit more hope amongst some of the fans. Some fans are still very concerned. Some fans feel disconnected from the club as a whole because of how things have gone with the board. And certainly there is criticism to go around as far as the board is concerned. Uh, fans, Some fans talking about the fact that the board haven't really learned any kind of lesson at all. And, you know, there's definitely a point to be made there for sure about that as far as that's concerned. But in any event, there is a mood of optimism amongst some Watford fans, and that's always good. They see that Roy Hodgson has certainly made an imprint, and I certainly, as a fellow Watford fan, would agree that even though we lost the game against West Ham yesterday, I think looking at the game and the performance, you have to be very pleased with what Watford have. And it is actually quite a pleasure to see Watford defending as well as they did. They've not defended this well in a long, long time. In fact, I don't think they've defended this well the entire season. And even though they conceded the goal last night, I think their defensive performance last night was better than the one on Saturday against Burnley and they kept the clean sheet, which still shows you that there is room for even more improvement. And I think that you're going to see Watford improve. Listen, this is only the second game under Roy Hodgson. So the fact that they lost the game despite playing so well there is actually a silver lining to be taken from that despite this defeat, which does hurt. It does sting. It's the 15th loss of the season for Watford in the Premier League. Make no mistake about that. That is more losses than any other team in the division, including Burnley and including Norwich. And Burnley are a place below us. So you have to think that um, that is something that needs to be uh, rectified immediately. And that means we have to stop losing games and start winning them because points now must come in threes for Watford. And I think everybody of a Watford persuasion would agree with that. And that means this Saturday, the start of that revival comes against Brighton and Hove Albion. And Watford must win that game. It's a home game. It's a game against a team that is not in the top four or five. It's a game against a team that I think can be indifferent on the road, do not score a lot of game goals on the road, it's a, it's a very important game. Obviously, all of them are now. And I think Roy Hodgson will be ready for whatever Graham Potter intends to throw at them. But as I said earlier, the tactics will have to be more attack-minded for this particular game because we need goals. We need goals and we need to get these finishes done. If we can get people who can finish, it will give us a very good chance against Brighton. Remember, Ismail Assar will be back, as I said, before coming off of the African Cup of Nations victory where they won the whole thing, Senegal. And uh, Ismail Saar was a big help to them in that process. And I think Saar is going to be raring to go. And I think that once he gets going, it will it will give the side some energy. And I think João Pedro needs to start these games. You saw how lively he was against Burnley despite the conditions. João Pedro is a go-getter. He is a closer. He's a young lad who's got nothing to lose. He's got a lot of energy. He's got a lot of guile. He's an improviser. He's someone who can improvise. He's someone who is up for a challenge. He is up for the fight. He's an aggressive player. He's a wise and intelligent player. He's always got his head up for goal. He's going to take the game by the scruff of its neck. And he's going to give defenders a torrid time. And he's not easy to defend. So you've got to put your A-star man. And I think he's your A-star man. 
And that means that Josh King has to sit in that game against Brighton. I know that may be a, a choice that some people don't agree with, but I can tell you right now that you need to go with the players that have got their shooting boots on. And if nothing else, Jao Pedro will give you some effort. He will take some shots at goal. He's got a little devil in him. He will try to rattle the goalkeeper. He will try to run in behind defenders. He will try to do all manner of things to disrupt that interior defensive unit of a opponent. And you can't afford to be moving the ball with Josh King because I think the ball stops with Josh King. I think the ball and the attack slows down with Josh King. And I think if you want to try to speed things up, bring in Samuel Carlu. I would like to see Samuel Carlu have an impact. If you do a 4-4-2 on Saturday, if Roy Hodgson can bring in on the left side of that 4-4-2, someone like a Samuel Carlu on the right side of that 4-4-2, bring in Saar and then put up top Dennis and Jao Pedro, I think you've got it made there. And then your middle two could be maybe Lauza and Suzoko. I, I think you've got I think that would be pretty darn good because you've got somebody who can anchor the back in Lauza. You can have someone like Suzuka who moves the ball through that midfield and you can bring thread in a player like Carlu on the left. He can play left or right and you can thread in a player like Saar on the right side and they can provide the balls in for both Dennis and Jao Pedro. I think that that would be your 4-4-2 there, your midfield four and you have Lauza holding and you have... Uh, Next to him, you could have somebody, as I said, Suzoko, who, again, has been good all season long for Watford. I think that would be your four. I totally think that's your four. And we will see what would happen. Yeah, Cleverly would sit. Kuchka would sit in that situation, that scenario. And Kayembe would sit as well. And then you'd bring Kayembe in later. I, I, I think you could try that. I think Roy should try that. If you want a more fluid and attack-minding Watford football team, you might want to go with that um, as your option against a Brighton side that does not play well, at least not that well, on the road. So I think that is exactly what um, Roy, uh, um, excuse me, um, what Roy um, Hodgson should be doing. But we will see if that comes to fruition. But that is my look. I'd have that middle midfield four uh, have on that right, left and right side, um, Carlu and Saar. And then in the middle, again, Lauza and Sizoko. If that works, then I think that would be a good place to start. By the way, I should say to you, Watford fans out there, that you have an opportunity to participate in the brand new Yuan's Hassani K giveaway. That's right. It's the Hassani K giveaway. Hassani Kamara's shirt, the home shirt. It could be yours with his name and number on the back of it. That's right. All you have to do is enter the contest, though. And what that means is you have to do is go to Twitter on the handle at UornsWFC. Go to UornsWFC and enter the contest. The pinned tweet that you see there is what you have to retweet. And of course, make sure that you follow Yuan's WFC on Twitter as well. And if you happen to have an Instagram account, if you follow Yuan's WFC on Instagram as well, your name will be put in the hat twice. So you will have two opportunities. Your name would be in the hat twice. So you double your opportunities to try to win that particular shirt. 
It's a random drawing, one winner only, and the drawing will take place this Friday, February the 11th, 2022. The time is to be determined, and you will find that out when I get to tweet it to you on the Uorns WFC Twitter account. So don't forget to make sure you enter that contest on Thursday evening, the entries will close. So by the time we get to Thursday evening, UK time, the entries will be closed and no more entries will be permitted. So make sure you enter before Thursday night. I will put something up on Twitter about that on Uorns WFC. So make sure you enter this contest while you have the opportunity. You will not want to miss a chance to get to win this shirt from Hassan Kamara. And that is a good shirt to have because he is the man right now on this team defensively and overall, quite frankly, at the minute, playing very, very good football at both ends of the pitch. His crossing has been very good as well. Very crisp and sharp. He's got real quality as Hassani Kamara. And it's really good to see him in a Watford shirt. A real class act as well. True professional player. He's a proper player, isn't he? Hassani Kamara. And you could win his shirt. So enter that contest. I have the uh, pinned tweet on you Orns WFC on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to the you Orns WFC YouTube channel. And of course, follow on you Orns WFC on Twitter and Instagram. Go to the youorns.com merchandise store at youorns.com and youornswfc.wordpress.com is the place to go for Watford news and analysis and opinion written by yours truly. That's all for now for this edition of Youorns. I'm Omar Moore and until next time, 